Did you know that Al Pacino often takes on roles in bad films just to try and make them better? And I was like, no, he does not. No, he does not. He does not. He just takes bad films. <laughs> he appears in bad films and he makes them slightly worse. <laughs> Welcome to another edition of Films on Trial. I'm Gav. I'm Alex. And I'm Dave. <laughs> and just like today's film, this episode will be fronted <laughs> by a trio of talented, attractive stars. And Ozzy, if he does pitch up. Uh, <laughs> now, this week's film on trial is the action spy comedy Red Notice. Is it Red Sky at Night, Shepherd's Delight? Or <laughs> is it Red Sky in the Morning, Shepherd's House is on Fire? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we were discussing what you were going to do for this and i'm really glad you went for the shepherds that the obscure shepherds english idiom reference well done <laughs> thanks thanks man, thanks uh, so essentially we're going to find out if this film will be placed on our esteemed hit list or our steaming shit list now before we go on our last film on trial was jumanji the next chapter which Aussie judged and deemed... Next the, level, Gav. The next what, level. Is it the next fucking level? You know what? I've even written the next level here, right? <laughs> Do you know, I had to admit that record so many times because I called it the next chapter. And also my write-ups as well. I kept on calling the next fucking chapter. It's the next level, isn't it? Right, Aussie judged that trial and he deemed that it should be placed on the hit list. He's since gone away and he's watched it. So did he make the right call or not? I, well, he's not here, but he's not here. But he, yeah, he messaged me, and um, yeah, he just said basically it was it was quite a long message, and it was quite emotional. And he just said he wishes wishes he listened to me more in general, <laughs> and <laughs> and he's rethought a lot of his past decisions based on this, primarily Gattaca. So I feel like, <laughs> yeah, don't talk to him about it because he did quite oh, really? emotional. But yeah, he's uh, he's he, he just dead so... wrong. So, so odd because I received a, a late night message from Ozzy and uh, it was just a number of beeps. And when I actually figured out that it was Morse code, as I coded it, it just said, help me. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know what, what that's about. Just while we're on the topic, I would like to make for the second week in a row, another formal complaint. Uh, so... <laughs> I will say that the process is going well with my <laughs> appeal for no time to die's verdict. Big Dave yeah. and Mike reckon that they can have it written up and submitted by 2023. Fantastic. Uh, now, this one relates to last week's quiz by Dave. Now, mm. one of the questions that Dave asked towards the end is, mm. what does Jean-Claude Van Damme, James Kahn, Dolph Lundgren, Forrest Whitaker, Wesley Snipes, and Elvis Presley have in common? Yep. To which I responded, they've all played characters who have been in prison and Dave said no. Well, I've since gone away. Wait, 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 done... wait, wait. <laughs> if I may, your first answer was they have good hips. No, yeah. No, <laughs> that was no, that was after. That was after. Oh, I, I did the editor last night. I'll tell you right now. <laughs> My first answer was that they've all played characters in prison, and I've gone away and I've done the research, and they have all played characters in prison. So. Uh, if I would have got that answer correct and got the point, I would have won the quiz. And then I wouldn't have been a laughing stock around my own house this week. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is unfortunate. I got. Which, which film did Forrest Whitaker play uh, uh, someone in prison? He was in the film The Experiment, which is all about uh, an experiment which happens when a number of people are uh, given the roles of wardens and convicts. Ah, okay. And uh, he, he plays a convict. So it's not uh, a real prison. It was a prison experiment in which experimental prison. Hey, in which the people believed so much that they were in prison that mm. they started beating each other violently to death. Yeah, well, Dave. I'm not convinced. <laughs> Never mind, Dave. David, you heard of this film before? Uh, no, no, I have not. Then let's be honest, Gav, it doesn't exist. We've only got one Dave choice. Just, Dave <laughs> doesn't know it. Only one thing we can do here: ask Forrest. <laughs> Get Forrest on the phone right now. Yeah. <laughs> He can't see the wood through the trees. And, <laughs> and that's not a dig about his eye. <laughs> it is now. Now, on to the trial. All of the roles have been picked out of the hat at random. So acting in defense and trying to get the film placed on the hit list is Reds Under the Bed. And in it as well, it's me. 
Um, and hopefully, at least one of you gets that joke. Um, I don't imagine anybody else will. But acting as prosecution and trying to get this film placed on the shit list is red in the face and everywhere else, it's Alex. <laughs> Uh, now, just like real court advocates, the defense and prosecution will be making the best case for their roles. These may or may not be their real opinions, though, so do stay tuned until the end of the episode to hear their genuine thoughts. And in the role of judge, who has to decide which list this film should be placed on hit or shit, based solely on the arguments put to him, it's a big red flag, it's Dave. And um, those words are not my words, Dave, but the words written on your official Films on Trial bio after the statement, some of Dave's favorite films include Mystery Men and Cutthroat Island. Damn straight. <laughs> Damn straight. <laughs> now, before we get started, I think we should probably give the audience a bit of a better understanding as to what this film is all about. So let us spin the wheel of impressions. Okay, and that has landed on Aussie. Uh, uh, well, half Aussie, half judge, I would say. So, um, who's the judge this week? I can't remember. It's Dave, isn't it? Dave, me. We, Dave. We literally so... just said this. <laughs> oh, yeah, but I don't listen to myself. <laughs> <laughs> so, how would you like Dave to read out the synopsis? I've just thought of something else about my quiz, right, Gav? <laughs> oh, <dear. laughs> oh, shit. Okay, okay. Being put in prison is not one of Ruby Roundhouse's skills. So it would never have been the right answer. Hey, but it was still a right answer, but not the right answer. <laughs> but it had answer. nothing to do with her skills. No, so no, I'm no, throwing no. that out. I think once we figure out who we are complaining to, I think Dave's will be Dave's will be held up. <laughs> you can put in an appeal against my appeal if you want. <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to stamp all over it. I'm the judge this week. I can do what I want. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, here what we do is we read out the synopsis of the film in the style of one of the cast or characters from the film. This week, it lands on Dave. So, Alex, how would we like Dave to read out the synopsis? I've got a really poor Russian accent. To be honest with you, I can do a poor Russian accent. You know, the fact that you put yeah. poor in there really helps me out. So uh, I, could, it I must could actually be, do this. It must be trying to make it stereotypical and really awful. Oh, God, I, I can do that for you. An Interpol agent tracks the world's most wanted art thief. Uh, oh, it wasn't, and that was the point. <laughs> wow, uh, that and that hardly touches any of the plot at all. <laughs> yeah, that is literally the one sentence review on IMDb. Wow. So, yep. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's great. Thank you very much, Steve. Very well done. Very good. Bad Russian accent. Thank you. Uh, let's kick off proceedings then, Dave. Over to you. Yeah. Okay. I know nothing about this film. I know it came out on Netflix recently. I think it did quite well for initial views. I think it might be. Netflix's most successful, uh, most watched film right out of the gate. Yep. That's about as much as I know. I know The Rock's in it. I know uh, we need to start calling him Dwayne Johnson. He's not gone by The Rock for decades. (laughs) (laughs) I know Dwayne Johnson's in it. I know Ryan Reynolds is in it. I know Gal Gadot is in it. That is about it. It's got something to do with art thieves. There you go. That's the extent of my knowledge. So, Defense, tell me a little bit more about what this film's about. Yeah, well, you're definitely right about it being Netflix's most successful film. I think the last time I looked, which was last week, it had 185 million hours of it had been watched across the the globe, which is very impressive. So, yeah, the film is about Dwayne Johnson, who plays a top FBI profiler, John Hartley, who is working with Interpol to capture the world's greatest art thief, Nolan Booth, played by Ryan Reynolds. He's been tipped off by another art thief known as the Bishop that Booth is going to attempt to steal a rare treasure from a museum in Rome, a golden egg that belonged to Cleopatra, one of three, which, if you add them all together, total $300 million. So during the heist, Booth is captured by Hartley and Interpol, but during the arrest, the egg is stolen again, this time by the Bishop, who we find out is played by Gal Gadot. The Bishop frames Hartley, who ends up going to the same impenetrable prison as Booth, and then reveals to the duo that she intends to recover or steal all three eggs, including the fabled lost third egg, and she intends to sell them for $300 million. Now, Booth and Hartley put their differences aside and vow to stop the Bishop, reclaim Booth's title as the world's greatest art thief, and clear Hartley's name. So there are a lot of big, fun action set pieces and well-choreographed scenes, including a snowy mountain prison escape, a heist of a Russian gangster's ultra-secure art collection, a scene involving the Brahma bull taking on an actual bull. If you don't know, the Brahma bull was one of The Rock's aliases when he was a wrestler. That'll make more sense if you watched WWE in the 90s. Um, But anyway, 
It also includes a final battle in an underground Nazi storage unit in Argentina, where Booth and Hartley capture the third egg, evade Interpol, and defeat the bishop, only for the bishop to reveal that she was secretly working with Hartley all along. So the film ends with all three deciding to join forces and steal a priceless artifact from the Louvre as the credits roll. So yeah, so this film gives you everything that you want from a big budget action fantasy spy movie. The action set pieces are really impressive. There is jet setting across the globe akin to something like James Bond. There are lots of great twists and turns and double crosses and backstabs. You know, there's lots of well choreographed fight sequences. The main thing for me is this joining forces of you know three of the biggest action stars of today and three really funny and larger than life personalities so with that you get this really funny dialogue which is obviously well written but you can tell there's a lot of ad-libbing and improv as well and that the cast are just having a really great time all in all it's a funny enjoyable blockbuster film that delivers exactly what you'd expect and more Ooh, more <laughs> More than I would expect. Exceeds my expectations, <laughs> you say. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that sounds good. Exceeds expectations. I'll write that down under Nazi storeroom and obscure WWE reference. <laughs> <laughs> well, this this sounds promising. It sounds a little bit like National Treasure if it had some ambition. I mean, is, yeah. this, is this good? I mean, these are three decent stars, as Gav says. You know, the top of the game. They're fun to watch. This, this surely can't fail. I, I I would completely agree. I put this on and when I wanted a, a, a fun action movie and I was sort of flicking through Netflix and boom, there it was. And you just think how, you know, you got The Rock, you got Gal Gadot and you got Ryan Reynolds. I'm just going to enjoy this. And I didn't. It, it just somehow with a winning formula, completely open goal, just like absolutely just misses. It's It, it completely fucks it up. It's the only real way of of, of saying this. And, it, and it's surprising that in the way it does it, I'd, I'd put a lot of, there's a lot of wrong with this film and I put a lot of it on the script. The script is, it's not funny. Some of the, some of the better lines, you know, there are some little repartee when you've got three actors of that sort of magnitude and sort of, you know, th- th- there's going to be stuff that just works because of the way they say it. There's ad-libbing and some of it's okay. Some of it's pretty poor. Um, we'll come on, I'm, I'm sure, to actors a, a bit later. But the script itself is just, it's not very good, it's not very funny, and it's just bonkers. Like, it descends into an almost farce by the end. You know, these, like, things of, like, Gav saying there's these fantastic plot twists and stuff. About 10, 15 minutes in, you just realise it's going to be one of these kind of heist movies where, wow, have you seen that Rick and Morty episode where it's about the heists and stuff like that? Heistatron. It's exactly, it's like exactly that. And it was made after that episode was written. It's just, it's just spit twists for the sake of there being a twist. It's not clever. It's just, I'm on your side. No, I'm not on your side. No, I am actually on your side. No, I wasn't on your side. Like the idea that no one saw the rock being a double, you know what I mean? It's just absurd because you don't know anything about him at the start. You're told he's an FBI profiler. He's never with the FBI. He's come out of nowhere. You never see any of his credentials. And you just know from about 15 minutes in, this is going to be one of these films that's just twisting and turning in the wind with absolutely no reason, just simply to go, aha, I was not on your side the whole time. And then, you know, two minutes later, aha, I was not on. It's just boring because it's just twisting for the sake of it. It's, It's that thing where a story literally twists itself completely out of shape. So there's no way of understanding at all what's going on. Um, it is big budget, but it's not. It's just poorly done. If it's had a theatrical release, it'd be absolutely panned. The only reason it's doing any good is because it's on, and it's just a film you can flick on. I did it because, you know, screw it, give it a go. Why not? That's why it's getting all of these hours. If it was in the theatrical release, it'd absolutely bombed, complete turkey. I just don't think any of the elements of it are particularly interesting. I think it's harking back to an older time way of doing action films. It just doesn't work anymore, especially... Especially with the action, it's just, it's just it's just incredibly uninteresting. I think the story just with Booth and Hartley, the idea of because the twists and spins are just constant and all the time, you never know who. You always know that whatever you're listening to at that point is probably bullshit. Do you know what I mean? Because <laughs> you just think, oh no, you know, none of these people are actually who they say they are. Because obviously, there's going to be a twist coming up at the end of this scene, and, and lo and behold, there often is. It's we're in this house, you know, we're going through, we found a couple, ah, what you found has already been taken by me. Oh yeah, no, no way, you know. So 
just putting spin after spin after spin in does not make it complicated. It's actually a very simple way of writing a script. It's just boring to watch. Hmm. Okay, pretty damning stuff there. So it's boring. You know, I've got, I wrote down Heistatron. I'll sure I'll come back to that. <laughs> uh, stories twisted out of shape. It's a complete turkey. The, even the action is uninteresting. The script is not funny. So it looks like, you know, for an action comedy, we're lacking a little bit of action and more than a little bit of comedy. Uh, what have you got to say to this, Gav? I think I think what Nick you're forgetting Gav. here, Dave, is is just how joyless Alex really is. <laughs> I don't think he's forgotten that at all. Dave, I, it's Dave knows always, all well. <laughs> it's at the forefront of my mind every time I look into his eyes. Dave, yeah, Dave. Old shark-like eyes. <laughs> <laughs> tr- tr- trust me, Gav. Dave, Dave's no, Dave knows better than most how joyless I am. He's <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, no, I, I think that... Alex might be exaggerating a little bit. I think when it comes to the heistathon and the twists and turns, I can think of two twists. Uh, you know, the first one is the Gal Gadot, the bishop, was working with the first villain that we're introduced to, Sotto Voce, who is the essentially the Russian arms dealer who has the second egg. He's got it in this impenetrable safe of his, and both Hartley and Booth have to break into that safe to get the second egg. And just as they've done that, they find the bishop in the safe, and she's like, oh, hi, boys, I'm here. And it turns out that she's been with Sotovoce, and he's been funding her to uh, go on and, and try and steal the other two eggs. So that's the first twist. And then the second twist is at the end, when we find out that Hartley isn't an FBI profiler all along. He's another Arfith and that he has been working with the Bishop. So that, that, apart from that, I think it's quite, yeah, I, I think that it reminds me a lot of, and this, <laughs> I know I won't even say, because it would probably be points against me. Actually, no, Dave's judging. It reminds me a lot of Tango and Cash. <laughs> 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 I can Ooh. see a tick there. A brain um, point to make, yeah. <laughs> No, it's just sort of like marriage of, of inconvenience between two stars. And, you know, The, the Rock and, and Ryan Reynolds have got buckets of charisma and personality and humor. And it's about the two of them and how well do they work to try and achieve their goal. And I think it's really funny. And the thing is about it not being a good script, I would argue I think that it is a good script. I think that there's everything that you want from a, a sort of spy action film. You've got the jet set and you've got the different locations. You've got the sort of the MacGuffin, which is this this golden egg. There's even jokes later on in the script when they go to the Nazi lair, they're sort of like, oh, just look for a box marked MacGuffin. So, so there's those sort of elements that you would expect from this script, but overall, I think it's. I mean, what, what more would you, what more would you want? Really, there's great action set pieces. There's enough sort of, I think, decent storyline behind it as well. I, I thought we'll probably, as Alex said, get onto casting characters later on, but. The characters were a lot more nuanced than I thought. It wasn't just a case of like, oh, here's an action star, it, you know, like, oh, here's a guy who can dodge bullets and whatever. It was they were talking a lot about their backgrounds and what has made them the characters that they are today, which I didn't expect. So yeah, I think the Alex is chatting shit to be honest. <laughs> Gav, Gav, says, <laughs> Gav says, "What more would I want, Alex? What what more do I want? What am I? What is going to leave me unsatisfied? What will you... sate me?" Okay, let's talk about action. Like, the action's awful. Like, the action's really boring in it. It's this kind of kid's action where people, there's so much use of gunfire in this and nobody gets shot. Like, nobody gets shot in this film. Like, maybe, no, I, I can't, literally can't think of anything. It's like, almost like the guns are like paintball guns. It's that kind of like, you know, that kind of Indiana Jones in the Kingdom of the Crystal School where people are just firing, like, thousands of rounds at the rock but because he's running, you know, like 30 yards in front of it, they're all just deciding to fire directly at the ground <laughs> behind him as he's running away and everything's ting, 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 ting. Like so, the A-team. Yeah, a bit like the A-team, you know, <laughs> Tango and Cash, you know, you know, and not in a good way. You know, at a certain point, you're just like, can we stop firing guns? Because you're just constantly firing guns at people. You're firing like these... 50 cal machine guns like you know like 10 yards away and it seems to be having no effect on anything you know it, it it's just really poor so for, for a film that's so action heavy i thought just the, the lack of peril in it is just it's just can't like nobody you don't feel at any point that anyone's actually firing an actual gun at somebody else so so what's the point in firing a gun particularly i thought there's quite a lot of cgi you know and, and the, the set pieces 
are quite CGI-ish. So they, they end up in this Russian prison, but it's this mountain fortress of a Russian prison, and it's it's just a bit too much. And they end up trying to get escape in a helicopter, and someone fires a rocket through it through that goes through the helicopter, and it it's just daft and who, who fires a rocket at them. So the prison guard who's trying to stop them escaping the prison. That seems a little extreme. Yeah, it, you, you know, that I helicopter know. is prison property, surely. You know, he's going <laughs> to have to have something else. You'd also, you also wonder, question why they're equipping prison guards with, like, you know, rockets to take down. I was about to say, so how bad are their jailbreaks? We've got helicopter. Let's get some missiles to shoot down a helicopter. But we're the only ones. With a helicopter, yeah, yeah, yeah. you never know. We've got some bad news. Uh, uh, there was a couple of prisoners that escaped earlier today, but good news, we did stop them. Oh, did you? Yeah, yeah. So you've recaptured them. No, we shot them with a rocket launcher. <laughs> oh, that sounds bad. Yeah, we blew up the helicopter as well. Uh, so we well, can't our, actually our helicopter. Our helicopter. Yeah. We can't actually leave this 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 prison now. <laughs> That's it. Now. It, as it spiraled out of control, it crashed into the kitchen. Long story short, we have no food. <laughs> really? We have. No food. Really sorry, <laughs> it, but but it's just these huge, big, bonkers CGI place. And you know, if it was a huge, big, bonkers film, but it, it's kind of not. It's kind of trying to be like a spy film. It's trying to be an artsy film. It's trying to be a heist film. It's trying to be a lot of different things all at once, and it kind of ends up being none of them. It hasn't got any of its own inspiration to be its own thing, and it's so generic in the way it sort of just panders after the other things that it really does rely if if you did i don't know if this is a big if if you didn't have those three stars in the film i feel like you would it would almost be the emperor's new clothes you'd see this for the absolute piece of shit that it really is and it's only the fact that you've got the just the face recognition of the rock ryan reynolds and gal gadot that you even carry on watching this film back past 15 minutes i would say okay well, thank you very much. Are there any other points we want to raise as far as script or plot, or are we good to move on and maybe have a look at characters? I, I just want to come back on what Alex has said about action. Um, sure, sure. I, I mean, that whole point about there not being any real peril and the guns being fired and nobody being hit by them, this is harking back to that classic sort of action-adventure film. Like When you're watching any of the Indiana Jones films, are you really thinking... Indiana Jones is going to get shot. Here. Oh no, he's going to get shot! Oh my God, he didn't get shot. You know, like it's it's one of those things. The, 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 all the James Bond films, like you know that the star isn't going to die, and that is that is fine. <coughs> Apart from <laughs> in No Time to Die, but I was talking about every film before that. It's, but so that, that that is 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 not an issue for me. Uh, the excessive Wait. use. Go on, sorry. Can I just interrupt there? Because like there is a there's a limit though, and this film pushes it. So there's a limit where, yeah, you, I'm not expecting Indiana Jones to be like, you know, cut in half by a machine gun at any point in the film. I don't think that's going to happen. It's not that sort of, it's not Saving Private Ryan. Maybe it will but, in the fifth one. <laughs> <laughs> fingers crossed. Seriously. Seeing old crossed. man gunned out of the street. <laughs> Come down within the first 10 minutes of the film. <laughs> like, uh, like I, I'm, so I'm not expecting that. But there just comes a point in this film when it's happened so often, when they're being shot at so much. That it's like, you know, the, the rock just like looks out, people fire at him and he like goes whoop and brings his head back. Because that's all you need to do when you're being shot at. Do you know what I mean? Just <laughs> quickly. Quick. It's like someone throwing, you know, throwing an orange at you. Just quickly jump out of the way and, and, and you're absolutely fine. They, they just an orange a... <laughs> I don't know where that came from, to be honest. But like, it, there just comes a certain point when you are just like, what is the point? There's this shootout when they're in the Nazi bunker. I question why it had to be Nazis. But anyway, you're in this Nazi bunker and people are firing guns at each other and you're just like, why? You know, it just feels really boring because after so many times of being shot at with no reason. Whereas in the Indiana, Indiana Jones films and the Bond films, they they don't do it too often. But the thing is, 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 is they don't do it too often here. Like the, the big gunfights that you're talking about, the prison escape, and then the final scene in the, the Nazi bunker. But before, in between them, what what other gunfights are there? There's nothing really. There's in the house. In the house. Gun, there's gunplay in the house. Which which house? Where they steal in the egg. 
I mean, I can't, I can't really, if there is, it's very, very infrequent. Uh, like, there's two big scenes that Alex is referring to here. So I think they are infrequent. Like, the action, I think, is really, really good. So, like, Rawson Marshall Ferber, who's a director, is an avid user of practical effects. And I know Alex said that there's a lot of CGI in this film, but, you, but if you watch a lot of the, because I've I watched some of the behind the scenes footage, you'd be surprised just how much practical effects are used as well. So, that scene where uh, they basically end up in this Nazi bunker, and it turns out that, like, one of, like Hitler's, um, I don't know, antiquers or whatever. Um, is, that, is that a thing? Antique dealers? One, one of Hitler's antique dealers. Yes, Dave. So, is so you know, like, the, well, so, <laughs> so it, like, but they find out about the third egg and they're, so, they're saying, oh, well, you know, at the end, um, when the Nazis were acquiring all of this art and, mm -hmm. you know, all these collectibles and antiques, they stole the third egg and they transported a lot of it to Argentina where a lot of the Nazis went and, the, and then they track it down and they find it in this underground, you know, old converted mine shaft. And they, there's a car chase in there because there's a couple of like luxury cars and it ends with them flying out, you know, like the high speed car chase through this mine. And then they fly out through a waterfall and into like this big body of water below it. And you, you should see the behind the scenes. Obviously, they didn't do that, but they rigged up a, an old classic car onto this sort of like catapult with all the stars in there through like a bit of a waterfall. It looks very, very impressive. Then they built this giant rope bridge for the rock to climb up and fall out of for the uh, prison escape scene. The open and fight chase between Johnson and the rock. There's a lot of practical effects there. There's basically um, the, the rock spears Ryan Reynolds through this window and they fall onto this roof and then they fall off that roof. And you can actually see behind the scenes footage, it's broken down into three different things and that's them doing it. I, you know, it's very, it's yeah. very impressive. You can also see Ryan Reynolds stunt double uh, many times throughout that entire Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, to, a button of like you 100% can, which is unforgivable in this day and age. I thought it was, <laughs> I thought it was a joke at first because they but kept doing this thing where like, right, Booth will like jump off like you know a 20 foot drop and then roll and then ryan reynolds will just pop up and like you know get running and you know you're like oh ha 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 that's funny because ryan reynolds can't do that and they keep doing it and you're like oh <laughs> i don't, I don't oh, think i don't think it's that's, it's, that's it's not frequent that's not that. a joke they're actually trying to tell me that right I, right that is ryan reynolds no, doing it and it's, it's, it's good because watching the behind the scenes stuff you can see that they that the stars are actually doing a lot of the scenes themselves there's this really good action set piece in the um, the Russian mobsters safe room where the three stars actually have this fight against each other. The three of them are battling out and it looks really impressive. And it's actually all three of them doing it. All, they've all choreographed it themselves. It's a really good, well choreographed scene. You mentioned about the, the budget. Um, you've got to remember that this film, 60 million of it went on the three stars. It's the first time that, you know, Gal Gadot, is, uh, Gal Gadot has been given the same sort of um, level pay as a sort of male co-stars. And this is like really, uh, I'm hoping that it's setting a precedent and there's equal pay, equal gender pay in action films going forward. But also like Dwayne Johnson was the producer in this and he took numerous safety precautions on set. He didn't want to put anybody at risk. So for example, there's this intimate tango scene between him and Gal Gadot uh, at, at the beginning. And when you, want, you watch the behind the scenes footage, it's all filmed separately. So a lot of the dancers and party goers in the background were filmed and then superimposed afterwards. And the whole party is in a masquerade ball. And you find out that the reason was because it was during COVID or, you know, they were taking safety precautions and they had all the uh, proper COVID uh, medical type face masks on underneath the, the masquerade like, masks. I I'm happy to concede that the production of this film was like very ethical and well done. Do you know what I mean? And like, yeah, well done for paying Gal Gadot and doing what you should do anyway. But I don't think it changes the fact that a turkey's a turkey. But so, what did you like about the the action set pieces? I thought that they were really well just done. Bored. I just thought it was bored, and also I think I think the fact that the story is so ridiculously convoluted, and you just that, that you don't really you, you spun out so many times about what might be true and what might not be true that really I kind of stopped caring. And you know, you just know that they're going to get out of this, and you just know that the rock's going to double cross him. So the whole way through the film, you're just like. For God's sake, when is that going to happen? When is that, you know, when is that other shoe going to drop and we're going to know that The Rock is actually being a shit? I mean, I, I, I didn't I didn't guess that The Rock was was a bad guy. You didn't? No, I didn't. You, I, I, you I, didn't. No, well, because, well, 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 you know, The Rock, I, I doesn't really play that many bad characters. I can't remember one that he's played since Doom, really. 
And I just assume that, you know, if anything, he's going to be he, the, the, the good guy in this. But he doesn't even in this, when they when they were revealed as the bad characters at the end, it's just, it's, it flip-flops so badly because they're not really that bad because then they're on a boat and look who comes, you know, they're swimming in the boat and who comes out of the boat? But Booth, who somehow managed to get himself on a boat, it's, how did yeah, he manage but... to do that? Well, he didn't. He just, you know what I mean? The film just says he's, he emerges out of the boat and then he's like, come on, guys, let's be I a team. I don't understand what your problem is. With and this it just because... sets itself up for a, for a franchise. Yeah, but what about like all the Fast and the Furious films? Or what about the Ocean's Eleven films where, you know, it's all kind of people who yeah. are like, hey, they're good, but really they're doing bad things. Or, you know, oh, hey, this is a character who's a villain, but actually in the next no, film no, they're Ocean's, a hero. Ocean's Eleven everyone stays you know who the villains are and you know who the good guys are and there's yeah, very no, little yeah, no, but, yeah, in between it. but your your th your thing about the the rock and gal Gadot's characters as being you know actually not that bad well it doesn't matter you know like that they're they're screwing over other people but it's fine because we like them so that's essentially like oceans 11 you know they screw over people but hey it's okay because they're, they're decent they're not well, that's essentially villainous. like every heist film, sure. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Well, yeah, but that's not, I wouldn't say that's necessarily a good thing. Do you know what I mean? It's just like, it's so generic and dull. If we're talking about actors and stuff like that, because we've had, you know, we've said, yeah, three big stars and stuff like that. But again, this lack of script really hampers them. And I think even though they're very good stars, they're not script writers. So they're good at improvising and some of the improvisation they do is good. But improvisation in lieu of a good script isn't you know it's that that that's not good enough i'd also say ryan reynolds falls very short in this film and I, and I really like ryan reynolds but do you remember we made this thing when we were talking about free guy and we were talking about how he's starting to get a bit of a shtick i think that's you said me. that <laughs> right well i, I, yeah, said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I don't recall not. agreeing with that I, I, i'll say that but i don't see how you can't he's starting to get a bit of a He's starting to get a bit of a shtick. He's got his Ryan Reynolds thing. You know, I'll I'll take a Dave said when he was talking about Free Guy is that he said it was Deadpool light. And if I may a little play on words, I would say that Red Notice is a bit Deadpool shite. And that that, <laughs> <laughs> that, that is what I would say. He does some Deadpool-y stuff, which I think is just completely out of place. And it's because he had nobody saying, well, Ryan, you know, he, he's too big a star to be like for someone to say, Ryan, I don't know how say very good line actually he says you know like gav saying about the mcguffin don't talk about the mcguffins don't break the fourth wall this isn't deadpool you know what i mean this is you're not deadpool in this film you're meant to be an art thief and if he starts going around talking about at one point he says oh look two featured extras in the lift and it's like or oh, hang on does he know he's in a film like what the fuck is this like do you know what i mean he's not you know no nah, I know I, Ryan I, Reynolds. I yeah. no 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 he does and i know ryan reynolds like breaks the fourth wall and he makes these little comments and stuff like that but watching it, you're just watching Ryan Reynolds. You're not watching Booth the Thief. It's it is just hundred percent Ryan Reynolds because no one is asking him not to be Ryan Reynolds. I'm pretty sure he turned up and it was like Ryan, we all love you here, Ryan. You do your thing and off you go. And and, and there he and he goes and does it. But why would Gal you want Ryan Reynolds in a film not playing Ryan Reynolds? That's the thing. He's he's he's, he's playing himself. But that, that's the massive appeal. You can think of like so many actors who just play versions of themselves in the same film, and it doesn't matter because you know what? That's what we got. Tom Cruise in like the Mission Impossible films and like every film basically since the nineties has played himself. But they've mainly been all good because you know what? It's it's fucking Tom Cruise. No, Tom it, Tom Cruise has variations between his characters. So like. Ethan really, Hunt. really? Yeah, Ethan Hunt is massively different from the character he played in Night and Day or uh, Live Die Repeat, Edge of Tomorrow. Yeah, I would, I would say that that character is different. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Ah, there, come on, man. There, you know, there there is mean, it's not like it's Joaquin Phoenix, is Where, it? You know, whereas, no, no, <laughs> no, like no, he's Christian not. Bale. Whereas Ryan Reynolds is the exact. He's Deadpool, but but the now he's a thief. He's the, basically the exact same guy. Whereas Tom Cruise, you know, there's a, there's, there's a little permutations. In but, you know, but the thing is, is that like, th this is a staple in action, you know, like Vin Diesel, like what, what other characters Vin Diesel played apart yeah, from like, kind Vin of... Diesel's fucking awful. He's a very popular like, action star. What about Jason Statham? What about yeah, like, again, The Rock? Terrible actor. What, what, <laughs> what about Arnold Schwarzenegger? What about, you know, like, Come on. You just, you... <laughs> No, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about like kind of yeah i'm not saying that these are fucking Lawrence olivier i'm saying that these are <laughs> box office stars people who appear in really even, popular yeah. action films who play variations of themselves and i no, don't think yeah, that's a bad thing even arnold schwarzenegger right if you look at some if you look at the difference you look at twins and you look at junior 
Yeah, he's Arnold Schwarzenegger. They're not action but films. They're all, but they're all, all right. Uh, I don't know. They're, whatever. You what, can't you know, say, yeah. Oh, yeah. Arnold Schwarzenegger in The Terminator was a vastly right. different character from a pregnant man in June. <laughs> okay. So Arnold Schwarzenegger in The Terminator. in nine months. And Arnold Schwarzenegger in Total Recall. Okay. They are slightly... It's still Arnold Schwarzenegger. He's still watching to be an action star. But Ryan Reynolds, in most of the films he's doing now, is having these dry humour, he's making comments, he's doing the sort of like, oh, you know, he's just doing the exact same shtick. And it is it is worse, and it is different, and it is something I think I'm starting to get a little bit bored of. Free Guy, I think he was better in, because I think he was still a bit constrained by the character of Guy, whereas in this... I just don't think he's being directed very so, well. So, uh, but, uh, so ignoring the action hero staple thing, don't you think that that maybe is similar to a lot of other actors of, of this day and age? Like if you look at Chris Hemsworth or Paul Rhodes or Jason Bateman, they essentially play similar characters to the one that Ryan Reynolds plays in lots yeah, of different okay. films, but they're getting hired because it's the star appeal. You know, you want them in that film because you know what they can bring. You want their charm, their humor, their personality in but your film. Uh, I'd say they're more directed, whereas I think Ryan Reynolds is just being given a complete free reign at this point, and he's just essentially being Ryan Reynolds. I, I don't know about that. I think that like th these actors are brought in because hey, you know they can ad lib as well, and they can like look at Paul Rudd; he's got amazing ad lib skills. Like um, Chris Hemsworth, you know, in Ghostbusters and other films, well, the, the Thor films now his collaborations with with Taika Waititi, he's been allowed to bring a lot of his personality in. I I, I just think it's different. It's, it's just different. And at this point, Ryan Reynolds is just being Deadpool. But anyway, moving on from <laughs> Ryan Reynolds. I was enjoying that. I was just going to let that roll out and see where this went. But it's, I, they, uh, they, they, this is what we wanted at the beginning of the episode. We wanted much more heated uh, debate. It's true. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what? The judge does not need to get involved. That is basically <laughs> just let you guys go for it. I, know. As I heard plenty about Ryan Reynolds. Okay, I got, I got the gist. I'm guessing The Rock is not going to be too dissimilar from what, what you, you've said about him. Gal Gadot, how's she? And who else is in it? Who else should I pay attention to in this film? They're the main three. Gal Gadot is he's good in it, and The Rock's okay in it. Um, but again, I think they, all three of them, and Ryan Reynolds, suffer from maybe a lack of direction, because it'd be hard. I just don't think the director has the chops to sort of direct three huge stars like what that. Else you know? is this director done? I don't know, actually. So he originally started off doing comedies with the dodgeball, but then he's moved into action. So he's worked on the previous uh, two big rock blockbuster films. He did Skyscraper, which was a brilliant film, regardless of what anybody else thought. And also a, a genuinely good film, um, Central Intelligence with The Rock and Kevin Hart. So a similar sort of action comedy film to this, really. Difficult job, though. Fair play to him. To, you know, because those are, especially Dwayne Johnson and Ryan Reynolds, are two people who are used to being having input in films. Do you know mm -hmm. what I mean? And I think they've been a little bit, I think they're a bit too big for the boots, to be honest. And they do have big boots, fair enough, they're much bigger than mine. But I, I, th I don't think a director can really contain them now. And I think really a better script and some better lines for them to say would have made this a more entertaining watch. Whereas, they're not, they are good, Ryan Reynolds and The Rock. They are very good comic actors, but I think even the best comic actors do need script people behind them and do need maybe. I think the script is good. I mean, I'm, a few what, more people to your, say, like, cut and, yeah, you know. What, what's your problem with the script, with the main thing? I mean, what is it? The story? Think, is it the dialogue? Is it. The all of the above, really. I think the story is, <laughs> like I said, like twisted out, twisted out of, uh, out of belief. I just didn't think, I was expecting between Ryan Reynolds and The Rock, for there to be a little bit more oomph there, do you know what I mean? Like a little bit more chemistry. I thought, wow, you got two of these actors and it'd be oh, really, really interesting. I liked them in Hobbs and Shaw. I thought that little bit they had in between them, I thought that was really well done. But I thought it was lacking here. And no, I, I just I, thought I the massively... chemistry wasn't there. Massively disagree. Like if this, Alex can say uh, have his opinions about everything, you know, like perfectly valid. <laughs> but the one thing that is perfectly not valid yes, is yes about the can. chemistry. Because <laughs> <laughs> no, it, this is universally accepted, is that the chemistry is is there between <laughs> Johnson and uh, Reynolds? Universally 
Exactly. I've, I've checked the polls, Alex, and it's uh, <laughs> did, I, did, I miss, did I miss the meeting with well, the universe again? You, you, must have done, you must have done. <laughs> I always uh, miss these meetings where everyone gets together and make these decisions. Honestly, like the, the chemistry between these two is, is absolutely stellar. It starts off as the sort of like love hate relationship, and then they start actually uh, building a, a bit of a chemistry and actually getting to know each other on a, on a better level. And then right at the very end, you see this, like the Rock or Hartley is like sort of like trying to get Booth's character, no, sorry, Booth to open up. And right at the very end, uh, Booth rescues the egg and he comes out of the water after the car crashes through the waterfall and he's about to run off and he's like, I could leave him, I could take this egg, I can sell it. And then he's like, oh, no, Hartley hasn't come up from the water. So he puts the egg down and he goes in to rescue Hartley only for Hartley to already be on the beach. And he's like, did you just go in to rescue me? Did you just try to abandon the egg to, to rescue me? And it shows like real, real growth between the characters. But the interactions between the two of them throughout are absolutely hilarious. You know, like it's that love-hate relationship. Imagine the similar to Hobson Shaw between The Rock and Jason Statham. But this, I think, is, is slightly better because Ryan Reynolds is, well, I think, has got more experience with comedy and he's, he's more humorous. There's this brilliant scene where after they've been captured by uh, Soto Voce, they've been tortured and they escape and they end up in the middle of this bullpen where there's, there's, a, there's a bull ready to bear down on them. It's just stood still. And Hot Air Booth is like, don't move. The bulls have got terrible eyesight, but they can sense motion. And Hartley's like, you're thinking of Jurassic Park? And he's like, no, no, no. It was a documentary with David Amber. And he's like, no, you're thinking of Richard Amber. It's Jurassic Park, you know, and they have this big argument. And then the bull, you know, realizes that he was thinking of Jurassic Park and the bull ends up goring the rock. But there's lots of like little interactions like that throughout. You know, there's a bit where they're making soup at the in the prison kitchen. And Boo's like, why are you wearing a hairnet? You're bald. Or, you know, or they're about to get onto the helicopter. And Hartley says to him, can you fly a helicopter? And he's like, does the back of your head look like a giant penis? The answer to both is yes. You know, like there's lots of little kind of funny interactions like that. Maybe ad-libbed, maybe written. But the thing is, is what you can't deny is the chemistry between the two of them. And Gal Gadot, Gal Gadot sorry, is brilliant in this because she's allowed free reign. She, we know that she's a very capable action hero she's appears in numerous films where she's absolutely smashed it in here she was allowed a bit more free reign and she was able to actually show her comedy chops she doesn't have as much character development as the other two but what she does play is that sort of smarmy villain in this piece what, what is her character development in this film but I mean, the thing is, what character development do the villains get in big action films or big heist films like this I mean, you know, what more character development did Rami Malek's character have in No Time to Die? You know, it, it's it's one of those things. She's the villain in the piece until we find out at the end that she's working with Harley. And then the, before the end credits roll, all three of them decide to work together. So if there is going to be a sequel, we'll probably see much more development from her character there. And you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm up for it. I'm, I'm really, really excited for it. Okay. Thank you very much. That, that pretty much boxes off performances. So it's just... It's just the three, really, I need to concern myself with. Mm -hmm. uh, anything else anyone wants to discuss? You, you've also oh, got so like a minor sub-villain by, what's his name, Sotovocci? Sotovocci. Sotovocci. Okay. He's pretty unbelievably bad, I have to say, in this, is it? Uh, I can't say Okay. Chris Diamantopoulos. Chris Diamantopoulos. He's just, uh, he, I mean, is he Russian in it, Gav? Is he... he's a, yeah, he's a, he's a Russian gangster, yeah. Yes, he's a Russian gangster who talks like this all the time. Like, it's, it's pretty shockingly bad another another time and there's a few times in the film you know a bit like ryan reynolds stunt double where you're sort of waiting for the film to be like nah it's not really he's not really pretending to be russian there is he and no he actually is just a few things where like he, he sort of strangles things there's a few tonally weird things the film does like this where sotovachi strangles people to death and you, you, you kind of go from this firing guns and no one ever being hit to him strangling people to death and then going from this to Hitler's antiques dealer, you know, selling the egg. And you're just like, why, why, why are we, why am I thinking about the Nazis during this film? Do you know what I mean? Like, why am I, why, why does this guy strangle people to death? Like, why, why are we doing that? Well, it's and, a soldier because when he was a child, he was strangled by his father. And that's why he's no, called Soto Voce, no, because his vocal cords were damaged and he can't actually talk that loudly. And that's I'm why he strangles saying, people now. 
I'm not saying that I didn't understand why he well, sounded like it, people. Alex. <laughs> I'm saying it sounded like I don't it. know why they made the choice to have the villain strangle people at all. I think it seems like a quite an extreme, weird thing that the film tonally decided to do. So it's got this weird thing uh, where no I mean, one can ever get know. shot, and then it's got another thing where people are getting strangled to death by this sort of Ochi. Who Gav? Does he do a good performance? It's all right, you know what I mean. Oh. He's he's a he's a standard villain in a I mean, but you know, you're talking about like totally weird things, like at the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark, you know, when people's faces melt, you know, that was very tonally off. But it still made it a great sort of like action fantasy film that can be enjoyed by all the family. Just because this guy likes to strangle people, it's not like just because he likes to grab people by the neck and you see someone being strangled to death as he's after being tortured in a chair. Oh no, let's go back to that funny rock bit where Ryan Reynolds is calling the rock a big penis head or something like that. And then oh, quickly, let's go and think about the Holocaust as well because that's the something that we're going to bring up in this film. Why? You know what? Why are you doing that? You're talking about it like it's the scene where the guy gets slowly knifed to death and save a private Ryan or something. <laughs> you know, it's it's it all fits he's, totally well. No, he's tortured in the chair and then he's going like, uh, and then sort of fuck, she just str- strangles the life out of him with one hand. It's bizarre. Well, I mean, you know, like thinking of many, many James Bond films where the same sort of stuff happens, where Jaws tries to strangle James Bond, where somebody gets decapitated with a hat, you know, it's... (laughs) What do you want, man? Not after... No, like, that is just... And the the thing about the Nazis, oh, Kelsa Pree, that the Nazis are involved, you know, this is a standard go-to place in these sort of, like, action heist films. It's not surprising. They're actually... So... The whole thing about Cleopatra's eggs is so like well documented in it, and it's so well researched by the writer director himself. The number of people on the set actually thought that it was it was genuine. They were like, "Oh, I, I think that tells us a lot about how this film was made." That people on the set genuinely thought Cleopatra's eggs were real. Well, I'm <laughs> you know so I just want to check something. That you say it was really well researched. It's not real. What's the reason? <laughs> yeah. uh, there, there was a Cleopatra. <laughs> and there were these people called the Nazis they, who they, it. they looked up, they Googled Egypt and Cleopatra came up. Like, what, you know, I think no, that tells us about the level of people who were making this film that they believed. <laughs> that Cleopatra, I think it tells us a lot that they were about... making some sort of documentary I, I, I based on these real eggs. You know what? I think it tells us a lot about you, a man who can properly follow the the plot of like adaptation or tree of life, but struggles with fucking red notice. <laughs> on <laughs> that note. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't struggle. I didn't want to understand it. And my mind rebelled against understanding what essentially was going to be another scene where someone turned on someone else. That is what that is. Okay. Okay. Final points. Is there anything else I should consider about this film uh, before we wrap this up? I I think I've. Can I talk about Gav or should I talk about (laughs) your time? I've got a closing argument, very brief one. This movie is big, fun, exciting action spy movie. You know exactly what you're going to get from this film, and it more than delivers. You will look at this film with wonder, woman. So ignore Alex's rock bottom arguments and leave them dead in a pool. <laughs> I, I ran out of steam towards the end there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Alex, any uh, flourishes you'd like to throw at me here? I've got no flourishes, I'm afraid. There's no fancy finish for me. Uh, it's just a plea to the to your reason, Dave. I'll appeal to your reason. You know, you would think looking at this that it would be an easy and, you know, it's made a lot of money on Netflix. It's got The Rock. It's got Ryan Reynolds. OK, but it's just a poor film. It will never be remembered. It's it's the same sort of I don't know what, you know, it used to be the DVD dustbin that Gav used to scrounge around at Tesco when he was hammered at like one o'clock in the morning in crew. <laughs> Right, whatever the equivalent, the digital equivalent of that is now. <laughs> Can we just put out to the listeners that this was a, a bargain bin of DVDs? He didn't actually just go rummaging around bins, actual yeah. bins. Well, a bit of both. <laughs> let, let's let Gav answer that one. <laughs> like, it, whatever digital equivalent of the bargain bin in, in, a, in, a, in Blockbusters is now, that's where Red Notice is going to be. It's really appalling and it's appalling because of the promise that you think the three stars brings to it no one sat down 
and came up with a coherent, interesting plot. And that is criminal. To spend that much money and not write an interesting script and not think of a plot that's complicated and heisty, but not absurdly convoluted and ridiculous is a bit criminal and they should all be given a red notice. <laughs> Ooh, a little bit of a flourish after all. I like that. You, you exceeded my expectations. That's what an I'm organic flourish. About. Yeah, I liked it. I liked it. Uh, yeah, I got a fair few notes to flick through here. Um, so who's going to kill a little time for me? Sorry, I mustn't kill time, must cherish it. But uh... <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, is, is doing the quiz this week. Uh, and unfortunately, he's, he's not with us today. So I've quickly scrambled something together here. Uh, he is alive, just to be clear. Yeah, he's, he's no longer not, with us. Not, not in my eyes, Deborah. You did not see the latest message, did you? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I've done a very, very quick quiz here. And because the film is Red Notice, it features a colour in the title, I thought that I'd do a, film, a quiz all about movies with colours in the title. I think that I've done something similar before. So what I've decided to do is do a quiz on films with a colour in the title that we have already reviewed before. So you'd be okay. surprised. There's quite okay. a few. And we have seen all of these films, so hopefully you should know the answers. Okay. Uh, maybe not the first one. So the first one is Red Notice. So uh, Red Notice marks the third collaboration between Dwayne Johnson and Ryan Reynolds and the fourth collaboration between Gal Gadot and Dwayne Johnson. So what were all of those other films? Oof, shit. Ooh. No idea. Ryan Reynolds, um, Hobson Shaw. Yeah, that's one. Yeah. Him and Dwayne Johnson, I revealed this in a trial that we did recently. They said must have been so subtle because he didn't notice it oh it was the rock cameo and free guy yes free yeah. guy mm. and then the rock appeared with gal gadot in three well, films fast and furious um, how yeah. many of the fast and furious is now is it five, five six seven there you go. five six and seven yeah. Six, yeah well done okay so question number two what did paul suffer from in the film uh, the Green Mile, something. It was a they... urinary tract infection, <laughs> and we talked about it for far too long. <laughs> yes, it was. Yes. Okay. Question number my, three. My favorite bit. I listened to that trial again recently, and it's a bit that we didn't even really laugh about. It's a bit where Gal, we've just talked about how he he's grabbed Paul's uh, genitals. Basically, that was all we talked about. All we talked about, and then like someone asked for clarification on the, on what John Coffey does, and Gav says. He sort of just sucks <laughs> <his laptop. laughs> sucks the uh, like, basically if you've never watched the Green Mile, it basically sounds like John Coffey gives Paul a magic blowjob. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think I said he sucks the badness out of him. Yeah, he sucks the badness out of him. Oh dear. But question number three. And uh, the closest one to the correct answer gets this point. How many people died in the film Deep Blue Sea? Sorry, that should be how many characters died in the film. The <laughs> how many people died in the making of the film The Deep Blue Sea? <laughs> I'm going to say seven. Look at this. Dave is actually counting up. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually, I'm actually trying to count. Oh, Stone Skarsgård, Michael Rappaport, Saffron Burroughs. No. Uh, Samuel L. Jackson. There's the, oh. there's the, uh, the one out of the Sopranos uh, who dies in the tower. Ada Totoro. The helicopter pilot. There's at least one pilot in there. Yeah. Uh, and another for good measure. Let's say, oh, no, I'm going to go with eight. Let's say there's two pilots in the helicopter. Oh, hey. I mean, I like Dave's working out. It's nine, nine apparently. Mm. Four by shark, four by explosion, one by drowning, and ten if you include the bird. As well. Oh, the bird. We forgot <laughs> the bird. <laughs> okay, question number four. Which two actors played the most senior members of the organization in the film Men in Black International? Rip Torn. No. Emma Thompson? Yep, one. And um, the second one? I kind of blanked a lot of this film out of my memory, to be I honest. Wait, oh, is I remember Emma Thompson. What's that? Is this the new Men in Black? Sorry. Yeah. The yeah. Reviews. The one with Hemsworth. Emma Thompson was definitely in it. And oh, who was a clue? Uh, they turned out to be the villain at the end. Oh, really should have remembered this. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think I repressed it. To be honest. Yeah, I think I repressed it. He has got a particular set of skills. 
Liam Neeson. It was Liam Neeson, yes, Liam ah, Neeson. And a bonus point, what were their letters? Or what were their initials? If you can remember. No. No. <laughs> Come on. Emma Thompson was O and Liam Neeson was high T. High T for some reason. High I don't T. know why. Anyway, sticking with the colour black, what was Daniel Radcliffe's job in the movie Woman in Black? Doctor. No. No, he was like a notary or a... Mm. Uh, did he work for a law firm? Alex, so house. Alex is right. He was a solicitor. solicitor he was a solicitor. Yeah. Uh, does anyone remember the name of the house that he went to? Uh, something manner. <laughs> yeah. Um, That's close enough, Dave. You've got it. <laughs> okay. Number six. In total, how long of the, and I can't believe it was this long, 125 minute long film is taken up with sex scenes in Fifty Shades of Grey? So how long... How many minutes of those 125 were sex scenes? 37. 37. Dave? 18. Oh, unfortunately, Dave is closer. It's 14 minutes and 17 seconds. That's a lot of fucking talking in a film about sex. (laughs) Uh, Number seven, where are Charlie Hunnam and Tom Hiddleston's characters stabbed in the film Crimson Peak? In the neck? No. Uh, I'm pretty sure doesn't Tom Hiddleston get stabbed in like the the eye or something or in the face at least yep one, one point for Dave you get stabbed in the face Charlie, Charlie Hunnam, Hunnam it's a non-mortal wound it? no it's a non-mortal like is it like the liver or something like that or no it's his armpit he gets stabbed yeah. in the armpit can you believe it and yeah that's it that's the, that's it They're all the films that well we've done, done about colours well done, well done yeah. for the spur of the moment slapdash pulled together within about 30 seconds there <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you very much, Gav. Uh, yeah, I, I was able to make a lot of notes about this. I mean, mostly I just like, you know, watching you guys tear into each other about, <laughs> about this film. And, you know, it was it was quite fun to see. I was starting to get a picture of the film through through you, uh, your battle, your epic battle saga that was going on unfolding before my eyes. Uh, so I actually learned more from what you didn't say than what you did say in the end. Mm. Um, but from what I was able to glean, this is a decent cast. You know, this is an enjoyable cast. Now, not, And it may be a while before any of these win an award for acting. But they're a very watchable cast. You know, Gav talked about the chemistry between Dwayne Johnson and Ryan Reynolds. Well, they're very charismatic guys. These are very watchable actors. That's why their films do so well. They're not known for the versatility. They're not known for their range. So I do think people tuning in to watch this film might not be that disappointed, to be honest with you. It is going to be a film that delivers on that level, at least. And maybe some people, you know, I believe what Alex says when he says there's a shtick to Ryan Reynolds these days, and it is that Deadpool line that he's starting to take. And that is a shame, because I do think Ryan Reynolds could do a little better than that. I see what Alex means. He is going down that route. Maybe he can pull it back. But some people might enjoy watching that. You know, this film might be very enjoyable. I know a lot of people have watched it. That doesn't necessarily mean it's good. But I do think there'll be a few people that come out of this having had their expectations exceeded, as Gav said, or at very least met. There wasn't much else to talk about in terms of cast, apart from Chris Diamantopoulos, is that his name? Uh, who was, yep. according to Alex, awful, and according to Gav, all right, which means <laughs> awful. <laughs> That's Gav talk for awful. Um, I wasn't quite convinced about uh, the research that Gav discussed. Like we said, these, these MacGuffins weren't real. You know, it's hardly the Da Vinci Code, is it, with Dan Brown going through <laughs> loads and loads of artworks trying to find these little subtleties that he can like elaborate on and make something out of. So I'm not so sure about that. I do believe this delivers on your expectations. But the plot holes that Alex mentioned, yeah, and there did seem to be a few, you know, people just popping up out of safes that they've been there. I mean, how big are these safes? People die in safes. That's not safe at all. There's nothing safe about it. This sounds like a terrible idea. The lack of direction also does seem to be concerning. I see what Alex means. I mean, when Gav said that The Rock produced this, and I know this is a director that he's worked with a lot, but you're asking the director to basically direct his employer. Yeah. Which, you know, sometimes it works. You know, sorry, Alex. And the most bankable star yeah, Ever, who, who's already thrown three films your way. Dare you rein him in on another one? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That said, I think The Rock is a decent guy. I think with a, as with a star with a bigger ego, it would be a serious problem. But as it is, it can still cause issues having a direct, having the producer in the film. These can cause problems. And it does seem like there were a few omissions here that maybe this script wasn't quite up to scratch and no one dared say anything or, or no one wanted to rock the boat. Everyone seemed like they were having a good time on this film. It seems like it was a lot of fun. You know, Gav talked about 
the ethical side of things and you know the the equal pay which was great uh the desire for practical effects you know a lot of fun as long as they're done safely which it certainly sounds like they were you know it sounds like this was an enjoyable film to make i bet but the final thing i've got to come down to you know alex appealed to my reason and I might be the most reasonable of the five of us on this podcast. That doesn't mean I'm reasonable by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> but the thing that got me, and it was while you guys were talking, no one really discussed this as such, but the unoriginality got to me. You know, when Gav was talking about this film, it sounded like, oh, that sounds like the Thomas Crown Affair. That sounds like Now You See Me. That sounds like The Italian Job. That sounds like Ocean's Eleven. And we were referencing previous heist films throughout. I'm sure this film is quite watchable, and I'm sure this film might be quite fun. But is it a good film? And without any originality to it seemingly just banking on previous heist films that have gone before heistatron there you go one of my notes coming back to haunt me i just don't think there's enough going on here for me to consider this a hit film i'm sure it's enjoyable but it's going to go on the shit list for me Dwayne, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Always got a very good running record with our podcast. I'm sure he's fine. <laughs> I, I, I think Dwayne Johnson will bounce back from having a small little group based podcast. <laughs> put, put, one of his, put one of his films on the shit list. Uh, so, yeah, genuine opinions, Alex? Yeah, I didn't like it. I, I honestly would have thought, I'd have been shocked if you'd said that I wouldn't like this film because... How 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 bad could it be for me not to like it? You know, I wasn't going in expecting to love it. I was expecting to go in to be just slightly entertained and enjoy a bit of repartee between The Rock and Ryan Reynolds, and I didn't get that. So um, I don't know why it's earned so much money on Netflix, I guess, because you can just pop, put it on and keep it in the background and turn it off. But I, would, I don't think it's going to be... Well, it's definitely not critically going to be well-received, but I just don't think it's going to be well-received generally. And again, mm -hmm. not a film that anyone's going to be talking about going, you know, you're not going to be in work going, oh, did you watch Red Note? It's just not going to happen. It's going to be forgotten about quite swiftly. Yeah, but let's not forget that, I mean, I don't think you can discuss films with any of your the people in your work. You're not going to go in and say, hey, kids, did anybody watch Red Lewis last night? <laughs> I mean, Paw Patrol came out this year. Come on. You, 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 guys, you'd be very surprised. <laughs> There's a the great scene films. where some guy gets strangled. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, often, I often hear sometimes people referencing films in my class, and I'm like, that's from it. <laughs> you know, I'm just like, like, basically, I'm teaching a room full of gabs, basically. Yeah. <laughs> Did that kid just reference martyrs? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I was once doing a session and I was talking about it and I was like, you know, I just, I was like, you know, oh, you know, what books do you like? And you're like, oh, we don't really like books. And I was like, well, go, what films do you like? And one of them went, oh, I like films with uh, Van Damme in it. And, and I, you know, when you're just like, Sorry, one more time. <laughs> do you mean you like films with Jean-Claude Van Damme? And they were like, yeah, do you know him? And I was like, yes, I do know him. And we basically, <laughs> the next 10 minutes, kids were just reading the books while we were going like, yeah, but what about... <laughs> I was like, have you seen, have you seen Time Cop? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, go on, Gab. What did, you, what did you think of this film? Uh, so I... It was all right. It was all right. Uh, so I did. Oh, shit. Yeah, that's that's talk for shit. <laughs> no, no, no. You know what? You know what? I, I, I did enjoy. I, I, I. There was elements of it that I really enjoyed. I, I did think that the rapport was definitely there between the three of them. I, I liked a lot of the action. I liked. You know, I, I thought it was an all right film to watch. I, I'd say it was around the same as like something like National Treasure or whatever. It's not something that you're going to be talking about. It's like, oh, it's, it's, it's like Indiana Jones. It's amazing. But it's a decent watch. I would say that it, I would probably put it just about on the hit list, but I can understand if it's gone on the shit list as well. You know what I mean? It's, it's like one of those films that if somebody was to say to me, oh, I really liked Red Notice, or if somebody was to say to me, oh, I thought Red Notice was really shit, I'd understand both points of view. <laughs> but do, you, do you think Ryan Reynolds is starting to typecast himself in in just the same old character, and he's yes. different to like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Do you know what I mean? Uh, yes and no. Yeah, yeah, yes, he is doing it, but no, he's not different to Arnold Schwarzenegger. In that, like, I, I think that I think it's it's fine. You know, like while he can, uh, it he seems to be very popular at the moment, very bankable. And if people are hiring him to appear as Ryan Reynolds in those films, it's because they want Ryan Reynolds in those films. They don't want, you know, like a really sort of nuanced performance. Not to say that he can't give that, but he 
they, they want like that Deadpool sort of character. They want his charm. They want his ability to ad lib and add humor to the script. That's that's what they want from it. And I think while he can still do that, why not? I mean, the, the Rock essentially plays the Rock in in most films. So. And he is the most, as you said, bankable star at the moment. And he keeps on getting hired to be The Rock. It's really annoying because I kind of know what you mean, but I massively disagree and I can't quite articulate why what The Rock's doing and what Ryan Reynolds are doing are just two very different things. And I can't quite, do you know what I mean? Like The Rock is different characters. So he's in Jumanji and he's in this and yeah, he's just playing like beefy, hard guys. But Ryan Reynolds is the exact, it's, it's the exact same character in every single film he's in. I don't know, it just feels different to me. But well, I mean, it's, it's, like, it's like MCU films, you know, like superhero films, while they're working, you know, I've, I've got no complaints. I, I, maybe one day it will become an oversaturated market. Maybe people will be sick of Ryan Reynolds playing Ryan Reynolds, but for the time being, while he's doing it and he's doing it well, I'll, I'll let him have it. <laughs> <laughs> it's generous of you. <laughs> we, we, won't take, we won't take it away from Ryan Reynolds. I would. I would. <laughs> You've heard about my appeals process, so. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, okay, so higher or lower than our previous film on trial, which was Jumanji, The Next Level, which scored six, no, sorry, 71% on Ron Tomato's critical score and 87 audience score. What do we think? Oh, I think lower critical based on what I've heard. Mm-hmm. Maybe slightly lower, just because Jumanji scored so high audience-wise, maybe slightly lower audience. Mm-hmm. Imagine, no, no, they come out of the gate quite strong. Actually, I'm going to say the same. I'm going to say say a hell of a lot lower. I think the fact, I think Netflix is bumping up its stats a little bit. I don't think it's doing that well. Okay, so, uh, I mean, you're definitely right with regards to critical. 35% is very, very low. But this may be the biggest disparity we've seen between critical and audience scores on a film that we've done on Rotten Tomatoes. Audience score, 92%. Like overwhelmingly positive. <laughs> wow, Jesus! Which, wow. which, you know, as I was saying, I could, I like, I, I didn't think it was a mate, but you know, I didn't particularly like the Fast and the Furious films. I mean, I watch them, you know what I mean, and and I can be entertained by them, but I wouldn't be like, oh man, I can't wait for the new Fast and Furious film, or oh, did you see that Fast and Furious film? But if somebody says that they did like them and that they enjoy watching them, I can understand. Yeah, I think it's the same as like essentially what we do here. You know, we are essentially like amateur critics in a way. And I think whereas the audience can just say, oh, did I enjoy it? Yes, that's enough to give it a positive review. Critics actually have to say, but is it good? Yeah. You know, is the script clever? You know, is it entertaining? Could it have been edited? Y- yada, yada, yada. And I think when you get these things involved, then yeah, I think it just stop dropping points. If people were a bit more critically minded. <laughs> I think that's the problem. Says one of the hosts of a podcast where we say <laughs> whether a film is good or not. <laughs> yeah. yeah, pretty much. Yeah, no gray, no gray, it's no gray area words. whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, uh, yeah, thank you very much for your argument, guys. Really appreciate it. Our next film has been picked out of the hat. Well, I would say at random, but we have chosen it because it's the beginning of December. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas, and we're going to put. Home Sweet Home Alone on trial. Yes, the new sort of addition to the Home Alone series. I don't know. I haven't watched it yet. But we're going to find out if it is any good or not, if it is a hit or a shit. So tune in next week because that will be hopefully a good trial. So just want to say thank you to anybody who's listened to this episode. Really do appreciate you taking the time to listen to us. If you like the episode, why not check us out on filmsontrial.co.uk or leave us a lovely five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Listen to us on any streaming platform and check us out on Facebook, YouTube and Instagram, Films on Trial or Twitter, Film Trials. So that is it. It's uh, Red Notice. It's actually Brown Notice because it's ended up on the shit list. And um, we'll be directly in your ears next week with Home Sweet Home Alone. Goodbye. Shouldn't Jared Lee owe every now and again do a film that's not a piece of shit? You like to like... I don't know. I mean, Nicolas Cage works pretty well on one good film every 10 years, doesn't he? <laughs> Served him all right.